going my guys gals and non-binary pals welcome back to nerd explosion the weekly podcast where based on a monthly theme i nerd out about whatever i want as always i'm your host cameron i hope you guys had a fantastic thanksgiving whether you spent it with friends family or you just had a chill day by yourself but whatever you did for thanksgiving i hope you had a good one you know ate plenty of food and just you know had a good time uh, me personally i went to i visited both families Ate plenty of food, you know, had some good conversations, you know, had a pretty good time. So my Thanksgiving was good. So I hope your Thanksgiving was, you know, just as good, if not, you know, chill. Uh, anyways, today, as part of Zelda month, I'm going to be diving into something that I've wanted to talk about for like a while now in a podcast form. Today's episode, I'm going to be doing Zelda theories and also do my predictions for future Zelda games, aka, you know, Tears of the Kingdom, the Breath of the Wild sequel. So, I, f- I figured theories are definitely a good thing to dive into with uh, in a podcast format. Because, you know, while they're not, like, confirmed, it's not, like, law or lore in Zelda stuff, it's still, it's, it's fun to think about, you know? Theories are really fun to think about. So, anyway, that's what today's episode is going to be about. Before we get into that, new episodes of this podcast come out every Saturday, if you didn't already know. I mean, I say it every episode, so if you don't know by now, then obviously you're not paying attention. <laughs> but yeah, new episodes, you know, do all the likes, follow, just do all the things that do all the stuff. Because every time a bell rings, a Thanksgiving turkey gets its wings, or more wings than it already has. Anyway, let's talk about some Zelda, Zelda theories. theories. Zelda theories. Now, before I get into this episode, I do want to apologize for any background noise you may hear. I do currently have my window open in my living room, but you know what? I could reduce noise by closing the window, but it's such a nice day out. I just I just wanted to keep the window open, so hopefully my neighbors are actually nice to me while I record this episode. But anyway, let's get into this episode. By the way, with this episode, I do want to point out these are just theories. These are not officially confirmed by Nintendo. They're just fan theories that have gone around. Some of them are pretty much, I would say some of them are pretty much canon, only because they make a lot of sense, you know? You'll see what I mean when I get into it, but like I said, a lot of these aren't officially canon. Most of these aren't officially canon. A lot of these are just like thought-provoking and stuff that maybe made sense, but Anyway, let's get into the first theory I want to talk about, and the fact, um, I guess one of the theories is that Hyrule Warriors, the first Hyrule Warriors game, is, you know, should be in the timeline, even though uh, Eiji Aonuma, who's one of the main guys at Nintendo of Japan, he stated that Hyrule Warriors takes place in a different dimension than, like, the main series. Which basically means that there's no specific spot in the timeline that it goes. But I do want to say that if it is, if it is in the timeline, 
it should be in the the two timelines that come off of Ocarina of Time where Link defeats Ganondorf. Because for those of you that don't know, Ocarina of Time splits the Zelda timeline into three separate timelines. There's the timeline where, of course, a plane is in a flyover. I should actually close this window. Hold on a second, guys. Hold on. Hold on. I'll be right back. Don't. Don't worry. I'm still right here. Don't worry. I came back. I, I came back up the cliff. Alright. <laughs> anyway, so there's three different timelines that go off of Ocarina of Time. There is the Hero is Defeated timeline, which Link is unsuccessful in defeating Ganondorf during Ocarina of Time. Therefore, Ganondorf gains a whole ton of power. He basically grabs hold of all the pieces of the Triforce, gives up on his human form, becomes a dark beast, and that leads into the decline of Hyrule, which gives us the events of Link to the Past, the Oracle Games, Link's Awakening, Zelda 1, and Zelda 2. And then you have the Hero's Successful Timeline, which that branches off into two. There's the Child Era, which, you know, at the end of the game, Link is set back in time to be a child again, and then as a child, he warns Princess Zelda of what Ganondorf is going to do. The royal family then captures him and sends him to be executed. That child timeline leads on to Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess, and Four Swords. And then we got the adult era, which I guess would take place if Link never went back in time. And that leads into, uh, that leads into the events of Wind Waker, Phantom Hourglass, and Spirit Tracks. Now, like I was mentioning <laughs> before I went off on this whole tangent, uh, Hyrule Warriors has human form Ganon. So this would have to, if Hyrule Warriors was going to be placed anywhere in the timeline, I would put it in either the child or adult era. And, uh, I don't know. It would kind of be, it would, it would kind of be like its own thing, like a weird dimensional thing. Like, if I'm looking at this timeline, there's Twilight Princess and then Phantom Hourglass. I would kind of put it somewhere in the middle there. Because during the events of Hyrule Warriors, uh, the witch uh, Lana, I think she is, she summons different heroes throughout Hyrule's history. So it would probably take place kind of at the end of Four Swords and Spirit Charts. Kind of in between there, but not necessarily in the timeline. Uh, what else did I say in my notes? Oh, and also, if Hyrule Warriors does show up somewhere in the timeline, it might also explain why the Rito and the Zora exist at the same time. Because according to Zelda lore, the Zora, or the Rito are supposed to have evolved from the Zora because they were driven out of the sea, so they adapted to like the mountains and the air, and they grew winds and became the Rito. But to be fair, the other reason that they could exist at the same time is maybe, you know, the fact that they did exist at the same time and just the thing of they adapted to wherever their surroundings were like a bunch of Rito got driven to the mountains and then adapted to those surroundings and became the Rito same thing with the, the Zora a bunch of Rito were around water enough where they adapted to the water and became fish people became the Zora so that could be uh, explain it too but as far as as far as Hyrule Warriors being in the timeline it would 
If I had to put it somewhere, I would definitely put it in the hero successful timeline, somewhere in there. Because, like I said, in Hyrule Warriors, Ganondorf has a human form. Ganon has a human form. Another one here is the Lost Woods are the Forbidden Woods and the Sacred Grove. So, Forbidden Woods and Sacred Grove are two locations that you visit in Twilight Princess. Now, while you're going through these, you can hear that familiar Lost Woods theme. You know the... You know, that theme, I did a lo-fi, I used the lo-fi version for the transition into this episode, done by uh, Mikhail G- Game Chaps, by the way. Go check them out. You know, I can use that song as long as I give them credit. But, yeah, the Forbidden Woods and the Sacred Grove are essentially, could essentially be the Lost Woods. I mean, it also makes sense because in the Sacred Grove, you run into Skull Kid again, or the Forbidden Woods. Yeah, the Forbidden Woods and the Sacred Grove, you run into Skull Kid who, I don't know if it's the same Skull Kid from, like, Majora's Mask and everything, because, and going back to the Zelda timeline, Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess are in the same timeline, because, actually, a little backstory here. So, remember when I said that Child Link went back in time, warned the royal family about Ganondorf, you know, him betraying the royal family, and they sent him to be executed? Well, we see that play out in Twilight Princess, but it doesn't work how everyone thinks it does. Because when they try to execute him, he calls upon the Triforce of Power to basically, you know, bring himself back to life and do all the nasty stuff. There's something else about that that I'll explain in another theory I got on this list. But basically, with uh, the Lost Woods thing, actually, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess are in the same timeline, so it's it's pretty, you know, it's pretty believable that the Forbidden Woods and the Sacred Grove are essentially the Lost Woods. Uh, another one I got on this list is the Mask and Majora's Mask are people's souls. That theory comes from the fact that uh, the Deku Mask, the Dora Mask, the Zora Mask are all made from the souls of... Uh, the ones who have died, you know, a Deku who had died, a Goron who had died, a Zora who had died, and <laughs> there's actually something else about that that I'll explain a little bit, but if those masks, like the main mass, are the souls of people, of, you know, beings who have died, who's to say that the other masks that you have collected aren't also the souls of people? Um, actually, isn't there a mask of Taifei, but Taifei is still alive? So that kind of debunks that theory, but people, I know, that was a theory that came up when I looked it up, and this is actually something interesting to think about. So, you know, it's a possibility. Uh, speaking on that, there is a whole theory about Link being dead in Majora's Mask. So, yeah, I'll touch on that briefly, just remember when I said... There's, you know, you got the Dora Mass, the Deku Mass, the Zora Mass are all souls of beings who have passed on. And at some point in the game, uh, God, what is the temple? I, I can't think of it. Last temple in, in Majorage Mast. Majorage Mast. Stone Tower Temple. That's what it was. God. All right. So, in the store, the Stone Tower Temple, Stone Temple Pilots, 
<laughs> in the Stone Temple Pilots. Now that just gets me thinking of if Link went into this temple, all of a sudden he like looked up and instead of the moon just having a mean face, the moon was just in the sky being like, Link friend on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> anyway, you learn the song called the Elegy of Emptiness, which essentially lets you create like a clone or a statue of whatever form you take. So if you have the Dora Mass, you know, basically you get it. If you have the Dora Mass, you create a statue of uh, Dermani. The Deku Mass, you create a ma uh, statue of the, the Deku Kid. And they're more like, they're kind of like funeral effigies. But what's interesting about that is that while you're Link, you can also create a statue of Link. So there's a possibility that Link is dead in Majora's Mask, and the whole events of the game is him traveling into the afterlife. Now, a whole thing with this, more evidence to kind of back this up, is the fact that at the end of Ocarina of Time, Link goes off to try to find Navi, and he ends up wandering through the Lost Woods. And there's actually an NPC in Ocarina of Time that explains to Link that those who become lost in the Lost Woods are doomed to become Stalfoses, which are the skeleton enemies. So, who's to say that Link didn't end up dying in, you know, the Lost Woods? He went wandering through, and the events of Majora's Mask are just him coming to terms with, you know, his own death. His own death, I should say. I don't know if you guys probably didn't pick it up, but I did a F instead of a TH. That's always been one of my issues. Anyway, anyway, one piece of evidence that kind of also backs this up that a lot of people will do is that each section of Majora's Mask seems to represent different stages of grief, with obviously Clock Town, where you start, being denial because everybody's, everybody's doubting the moon. Everybody's like, oh, the moon's not going to fall. You know, we can conquer this. It's, it's not going to destroy us all. We're fine. But so you got denial there. And then the second stage, you got Anger. Anger is represented in the Deku Palace because the Deku King is angry that his daughter, the princess, is uh, gone, is missing, is captured. And instead of, you know, instead of trying to find out who exactly stole it, he blames this, just this random monkey for capturing his daughter and he's about to boil this monkey alive, all because he's angry. Uh, next stage, we got Bardening. Bardening is part of the, uh, with the Dorons, the spirit of the Doran leader, Dermani. He shows up and begs Link to help him try to prolong his life and, you know, do all the stuff that he can't because he's a ghost. Try to prolong his life, you know, bring him back to the living. And then depression hits once he figures out that he can't come back. You know, he's, he's gone. He's actually dead, fully dead. Depression also plays into the uh, the Great Bay area because there is a Zora woman who had her eggs stolen and instead of like actively searching for them, she's really depressed about them because, you know, she lost her children. So she stands on the beach and just stares into the water. She's just, you know, she's depressed. And then we get the final stage, acceptance, which is represented with the final area, 
Icona Valley and also the Stone Temple Pilot, <laughs> the Stone Tower Temple, which uh, the Stone Tower Temple is you going higher and higher up the temple and, you know, seeing the light actually literally represented by the fact that you get the light arrows in that temple. You go up higher and higher and it's supposed to be acceptance. So there's a lot of evidence. There's actually a game theory video that backs up the whole thing of Link possibly being dead. It's not concrete, you know, it's not confirmed or anything, but it's an interesting thing to think about, you know. Another little short one I want to touch on here that I have in here that for some reason popped up when I was looking up different theories. Gerudo reproduce with other races. Now, for those of you that don't know, the Gerudo are a race of women that, you know, they, they're fully, you know, fully big, powerful women that they're strong, independent women that don't need no man. <laughs> but the thing with the Gerudo is that they give birth to a male every hundred years, which essentially is what is responsible for Ganondorf in the first place. But people are like, oh, well, does that mean they reproduce with other races? And my whole thing is that, I mean, yeah, how, I mean, how else are they going to reproduce? Because it is, it is evident that they do have children, you know, they do happen to have girls and it might be like a, like a lore thing that they can only give birth to girls when they, you know, reproduce, but some, like one of them is able to give birth to a, a male every hundred years, unless, you know, so... Maybe it's the whole thing of they find other races to reproduce with or they just pick a specific race or they somehow breed with each other. I don't know. It's it's Zelda lore. You really got to deep dive and everything and really, really think about this stuff. And I know there's going to be some sick fucks out there and be like, oh, now I get to think of Gerudo's mating. <laughs> Touch some Touch grass. Some grass. The next one I want to talk about, and this goes back to the whole timeline thing is the fact that Breath of the Wild is part of the Link Defeated timeline. Now, this theory comes from the fact that, like I said, in the Heroes Defeated timeline, Ganondorf gains all kinds of power and gives up on his human form, so he's just a he's just a beast at this point. But he's been defeated and revived, defeated and revived, and each time he comes back in, you know, the big pigman form. But the theory is, by the time of Breath of the Wild, he is basically given up trying to make a form. And he's just like a big amalgamation of all his evil and malice and all that. Uh, the thing I have in my notes here is Ganondorf gives up his Gerudo mortal form and becomes more of a force of nature after his defeat of Link. The other games in the Heroes Defeated timeline show Ganondorf as a monster rather than a Gerudo. So yeah, that's basically what I was saying. The fact that Ganondorf, each time in the Heroes Defeated timeline, has come back as, you know, big pig man. But by the time of Breath of the Wild, he is just, he's done trying to make a certain form. So he just kind of lets his evil and malice kind of form him into something. He does become a big pig monster at the end of Breath of the Wild. But that's only because that's his, his last ditch effort to try to finish off Link and Zelda once and for all. And honestly, I feel like this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Breath of the Wild, right now it's the end of everything, but I would definitely put it at the end of the Heroes Defeated timeline. This last one 
I kind of added at the last minute because I totally forgot about it. And I'm like, oh, this will be a really good theory to talk about. You guys remember in Twilight Princess, you know, you have the final battle with Ganondorf. You know, you stab him through the chest and he's all like, ah, and he's all like, don't think this ends here. And he tries to call upon the Triforce again, but it fails. And then you see Zant for some reason. He does a little neck crack and then Ganondorf is like, oh, I'm dead now. Uh, you know? There's actually a whole theory, actually, it's not really, I mean, it's a theory in the sense that it's not confirmed by Nintendo, but I actually saw this video by the YouTube channel Bandit Games that kind of explains what happened there. So, the story is, and I'm bringing this back to Ocarina of Time, like I said, at the end of Ocarina of Time, Link warned the royal family about Ganondorf. And they captured him and sent him to be executed. Then we get to the events of Twilight Princess, where we see the Sages of Light, you know, preparing to execute him. And they use the uh, the Sword of Six Sages to stab him, which is where he gets the, the chest wound. But in his dying moments, he Ganondorf calls upon the Triforce of Power to basically bring himself back and not die. And he frees himself from his chains, ends up killing one of the sages, and the rest of the sages, in order to save themselves, banish Ganondorf to the Twilight Realm. And then, meanwhile, in the Twilight Realm, Minda has been named the ruler of the Twilight, the Twilight Princess, where Zant, the other evil guy in uh, Twilight Princess, he wanted that role, too. He wanted to rule over the Twilight Realm, and he was all upset about it, and... He was about to give up until he came across Ganondorf in the Twilight Realm. And then Ganondorf was like, oh, I, you know, I have this evil plan. I can use you as a puppet. I'm going to give you some of my power. So then he gives Zant the power to be able to, to go between the light world and the Twilight world at will. He can, you know, basically try to, he can take over Hyrule with the Twilight. You know, he can control these creatures. He had the power to essentially turn Minda into her implant form. She basically, he got a lot of power from Ganondorf. Now, where the whole Nutcrack thing comes in, after, you know, you defeat Zant, who knows if he actually died or not, but he was somewhere. So you do the fight with Ganondorf, and then Ganondorf is standing there, and he's like, oh, don't think this ends here. And he goes to try to call the, call in the Triforce of Power, like he did before when he was about to be executed. But this time, it doesn't work because he doesn't have enough power to try to revive himself because he gave Zant most of his power. Now, the reason Zant's neck crack killed Ganondorf is probably, and the theory goes, that Zant saw Ganondorf at first as this almighty being, you know, that's gonna save him and give him whatever he wants, and then this whole time, he had been watching him fight Link. And with Link defeating Ganondorf, Zant realizes that he not only, Ganondorf not only betrayed him, but also he's not the almighty god he thought he was. And he sees Ganondorf now as like a pathetic being. So basically, Ganondorf, when he tried to call upon the Triforce of Power to revive himself, he was also asking Zant for help. And Zant being basically done with his shit. He was just like, mm, no, snap. And 
he killed Ganondorf himself, essentially. So that's where the whole neck crack thing comes in. It's basically Zant being like, oh, well, you're not who I thought you were, so bye. <laughs> so that kind of explains it. Again, watch the video by uh, Bandit Games. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the description. It's actually a really good video to, to watch and everything. But I'm going to end this off with some of my predictions and theories for Tears of the Kingdom, which is the sequel that we're getting to Breath of the Wild that's coming out May of next year, I believe. So one of the things, one of my theories is that uh, Fee is going to play a bigger role in it and some Wars Sword elements because we did hear Zelda mention something about hearing the sword talk in Breath of the Wild. So maybe we might get more of Fee or anything. Fee might show up again. Plus, there's a lot of, uh, it has a lot to do with like islands floating in the sky. So there might definitely be a connection to the Starward Sword. A lot of people think that Twilight Princess is actually going to be a big connection too because there's a lot of different things in the trailers that are kind of representative of the Twilight and everything. Uh, as far as gameplay stuff, I hope, I hope that they uh, do something with the durability system. Like, if they don't get rid of it entirely, I mean, it would be great if they could just get rid of it entirely. But, if they're not going to get rid of it, they should make it at least a little more bearable. You know, make weapons last longer than they did in Breath of the Wild. Because I hate having a sword that I've swing maybe 20 times before it breaks, you know. I would rather have it last, last a good while before it breaks. I know, I would prefer the durability thing just be gone, but if you're going to do it, at least make it a little more bearable, or at least make a way to, you know, restore durability, you know? Like, have a guy be like, oh, for this many rupees, I can restore your weapons, blah, blah, blah. So, maybe do something like that. But, ultimately, like, predictions, I, another prediction I have is, we might see Ganondorf again, because in the, in the first trailer... There was that, uh, there was the mummified, the little mummy guy that they came across that looked at him and snapped and it had red hair and, you know, glowing evil eyes. So the theory is that that is Ganondorf and all the malice in the world was essentially feeding off of his dead body, his mummified body. So we might see Ganondorf again in the Breath of the Wild sequel, who knows? But hey... That's just a theory. A game, a game theory. theory. With that being said, I'm gonna end this episode here. God, I almost ran out of breath trying to do all that. But yeah, those are all the Zelda theories that I really wanted to talk about. If there's any that you guys like or any that you want to talk about, let me know on social media. The link is in the link tree in the description. Just click around there, you'll find... All kinds of links to all kinds of stuff. But with that being said, I'm going to bring this episode to a close. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys, again, had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you guys drink plenty of water. You know, stay hydrated out there. You know, do positive things. You know, hug someone. Hug your mom. Hug your dad. Just tell me you love them. Do all the th things to do all the stuff. I've been Cameron. And as always, I will see you in the next episode. Nerd, out, 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 out.